You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we have a special message in store for you. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Mothers are awesome. First, Second Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1. Verse 1 through verse 5. Before we begin to read this passage of scripture where Paul talks about the influence that uh, Timothy's uh, grandmother and mother had upon his life, I want you to stop and think for just a moment of all that a mother does. I mean, from the time of birth throughout the child's life, the list of what moms are required to do is endless. And I'll tell you right now, it's not a job that I want. Here in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'll begin with uh, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, as you read Bible students who really have dug into the scriptures and have written commentaries and things like that, they say that Timothy was somewhere uh, in his teenage years, uh, probably somewhere between 17 to 19 years of age when Paul was writing this, and yet he was a companion with Paul in the ministry, and Paul calls him his dearly beloved son, uh, talking about his young age uh, in the faith. Uh, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing, think of that, without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Timothy was always on the heart of the Apostle Paul. He loved this young man and prayed for him constantly. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When that departure between Paul and Timothy took place, Timothy literally wept that he had to say goodbye to his father in the faith. Now, one thing many of us don't know about Timothy is that his father was an unbeliever. His mother, his mother was obviously a believer. His grandmother was obviously a believer. But his father was an unbeliever. And yet the influence that Timothy's grandmother and mother had upon his life was very impactful. Verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned, that means unhypocritical, sincere, true faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So here his grandmother was able to pass her faith on to her children. And then Timothy's mother was able to pass her faith on to him. So here we see the amazing influence that a godly mother can have 
upon her children and upon her grandchildren. We're going to come back later on in the message and look at that word unfeigned, that unhypocritical faith that they had. You stop and think about this. If their faith would have been just merely a hypocritical time of faith, you know, drawing near unto me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me, they would have never have been able to pass their faith on to their children. You know, as I think of how many young people we are losing today from the church, the statistics are staggering. They're heart-wrenching uh, for us who know and love the Lord and love his church. A LifeWay Christian Research survey indicated that 70%, wrap your mind around that, 70% of 18 to 22-year-olds stop attending church when they leave home. We're losing 70% of our young people when they leave home. It really tells you there how important the influence of a godly mother is. And Barna, uh, you've heard me quote from Barna quite often. Uh, in a Barna survey, they repeatedly show that then the majority of those young people never ever return to church. Stop and think about this. The most influential person in the life of a child is without doubt their mother. And because of the influence that a mother has upon her children, the Bible takes motherhood and exalts it to a premium position. There are over 300, mark it down, 300 references to mothers in the Bible, which shows you that God puts a high priority on motherhood. I remember my dad it would say, he said, you know, if God says something once, it's important. But when God repeats something over and over and over again, we really need to pay attention. Well, we really need to pay attention to the priority that, that God puts upon motherhood as an exalted position. Think about this, one whole chapter of the book of Proverbs was dedicated to mothers. And I'm sure that right now throughout the world during Mother's Day that Proverbs chapter 31 is, is being preached on in, in many of our churches. But here uh, Solomon talks about the influence that his mother had upon him. And, and one thing I think also we stop to realize is that Solomon's mother was Bathsheba. And so there was a time in Bathsheba's life where she wasn't the best moral example. She had committed adultery with David. She was an adulteress, but obviously had come to a place of repentance and had developed this godly virtue in her life. So when Solomon writes about his mother, he said, who can find a virtuous woman? Isn't it a wonderful thing that if you're not a virtuous person, that you can repent and find cleansing through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, be made a new creature in Christ, and develop that virtue in your life. But who can find a virtuous woman, Solomon said, for her price is far above rubies. And then he begins to describe this virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 31, in which many of us are familiar with. I jotted down some of the things that uh, she is. She is... Uh, she meets the needs of her husband. She is faithful and loyal to her husband. She is well respected by all. She in, 
increases her influence in ministry of her husband. She is trustworthy. She is not slothful. She's a very hard worker. She is compassionate. She's kind. She's attractive, and yet she always dresses modestly. She is concerned about her family. She loves her children. She's sensitive to the needs of others. She serves her husband. She serves her family. She serves others. She's just a server. She's a wise teacher. She's creative. She's an encourager. She has a sweet spirit. She fears the Lord, and she is godly. Those are all the virtuous qualities that Solomon brings forth that his mother had. And then he ends the chapter by saying, her children shall rise up and call her blessed. What a tremendous challenge that virtuous woman is, not only to our mothers, but to all of us in Christ's church. So moms, I want to, to know that, that being a wife and, and being a mother is really the highest calling that God could ever place upon a woman's life. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14 through verse 15. Listen to the words of, of Paul to Timothy. He said, I will therefore. We've been uh, having a study on how to know the will of God for your life during our morning devotions. We've uh, covered a couple weeks of looking at that subject. But here Paul says, I will. It's very clear. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, and guide the house, give direction to the family. That women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary, the devil, to speak reproachfully. And then he says this, for some have already turned aside after Satan. That is a, that is a strong statement that I believe would be offensive to many women today. God's calling upon a young woman's life unless God has given her that special gift of celibacy is to marry, bear children, and then guide those children, guide the house, and give none occasion to the adversary to really, to really fight for her children against the devil. For some have already turned aside after Satan. Many young women today are are not seeking to be a wife and a mother, but they're seeking a career outside the home. Motherhood is kind of the furthest thing from their mind. But again, the greatest calling upon a woman's life would be to be a mother. Being a wife and being a mother is really the greatest privilege that I think that God could give to a woman. It's so highly exalted and lifted up by God that Jesus said this, for God commanded saying, honor thy father and mother. Honor your mother. We honor the mothers today. But then Jesus said this, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. So if you ever get to a point where you're no longer honoring your mother and you literally curse her, Jesus said it'd be better for you to be put to death. There are, there are strong biblical warnings given to children who refuse to honor their mother. 
The Bible says there is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. I think we're living in many ways in that generation. We see that happening around us all the time. He that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. That's what Jesus was referring to. He that curseth his father or his mother. <coughs> Excuse me. His lamp. His lamp, and that lamp refers to his life. His lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. So it really shows you how the Lord feels about those who refuse to honor their mother. Respecting mothers is, is just so important to the Lord that he included it in one of the Ten Commandments. Think about it. The top ten. Honor your mother. You see, honor begins with showing her the love and respect that she deserves. You don't always have to agree with your mother, and you may not agree with all of her parenting practices, but that doesn't mean that you should not love and respect your mother. Someone said if you would calculate all that a mother has to do, if you had to pay her to do that, she'd be pulling down a six-figured salary. And I thought, let's just think about all that a mother does for a moment. She has to drive the kids around. She has to do the laundry. She has to do the cooking. She's a nurse that tends and mends and kisses all the owies. She's a seamstress. She's a counselor. She's a repairman. We could go on and on and on and on and all the things a mother does around the house. And listen to me, most of those things go unseen. When you think of the Godhead, you have got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father obviously represents fathers. You have the Son, the Lord Jesus. But then who does the Holy Spirit represent? He represents the mother. The mother in the home does so many things like the Holy Spirit does in our lives and in the church. That unseen force that exalts the Father and exalts the children and many times all that she does goes unnoticed. Yes, mom deserves a paycheck, but she doesn't get one. And usually we take her for granted until she gets sick and she goes down and then she needs help and then things just kind of fall apart, don't they? Kids, let me say something to you. Listen to me, children. Your moms are smarter than you are. Believe it or not, they are. She has insight. She has a perspective on life that can guide you. She's to guide the house. And, and, and her counsel can guide you through life, especially if she is a godly woman like many, many, most of the mothers we have here at Fellowship. God made her your mother. He didn't make a mistake. He put her in your life. And you would be wise to listen to her, to follow her guidance, and to love and honor her. One day a year simply is not enough. God says we need to do this every single day. Make sure you let your moms know every day that you love them and you appreciate them for their investment in your life. Moms, 
those precious children that the Lord has given to you. Some of you now have watched your children grow and now they're having children and, and, and these children are a gift from the Lord. As we look at the ten children that the Lord has given us, every one of them has been a gift from God to us. And now to have the grandchildren that we have, uh, 26 and counting grandchildren, every one of them. My greatest joy is to have my children and my grandchildren around me and in my home and, and had even had grandchildren sitting on my lap this morning. The Bible said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows, for he giveth his beloved sleep. And then he says this, number one, children are a heritage of the Lord. Number two, the fruit of the womb is his Reward Number three, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of thy youth. Number four, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Number five, they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Five, bless. Children are not a curse. Children are a blessing. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine beside thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. And thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Listen, yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. What a blessing. What a blessing children are. When I thought about what a blessing they are, I thought about Hannah. I think we all remember the story about Hannah and how she was barren and how she could not have children. And they tried and tried to have children and she could not have children. Her heart was broken. She so she so wanted to be a mother. And how she went to the temple and she prayed and she prayed and she prayed and she prayed and she was consistent in praying and begging the Lord. There was even times when she was in the temple so pouring her heart out to God and, and weeping that Samuel thought that she was drunk in the house of the Lord. But no, she was just crying out to the Lord and finally the Lord blessed her and gave her a child. And this is what she said. For this child I prayed, so wanting to be a mom. I prayed, and the Lord hath heard me. He heard my petitions when I asked him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. I think a wonderful principle of just giving our children to God. God gives them to us, and we give them to the Lord. We dedicate our children to the Lord, I think that's the first and most important step in passing on our faith and our priorities to our children. Give them to God and often remind the Lord that these kids belong to you. So think of the stewardship that mothers have over their children. 
It's so essential, moms, that you do your best to be a good influence. Someone said faith is better taught, better caught than it is taught. And how true that is. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I just want to stop for a couple minutes and talk about those two words. Nurture and admonition. Two things that a godly mother is to do towards her children. She is to nurture them and she is to admonish them. When you think of the word nurture, what does that all involve? It involves education, obviously. You're the number one best teacher of your children. Training, instruction, disciplinary action. All that is involved in nurturing your children. You are your children's number one most important teacher. So let's, let's stop and think about education for just a moment and the powerful influence that an educator can have upon a generation. Did a little bit of figuring here, and from kindergarten to 12th grade, a, children, a, a child will receive about 28,000 hours of instruction. Stop and think about that. 28,000 hours of classroom instruction. Now, if they're receiving that instruction from the ungodly, from the humanistic educational system of our day, it's no wonder why we have raised now a generation of young people who are spiritually bankrupt. So that tells you how important the role of the mother is in the home of nurturing their children, educating them, training them, instructing them, and providing discipline for them which is so necessary. She's guiding the house through her nurturing of her children. Our Christian mothers today are raising children in what the Bible calls a crooked and perverse generation. It's very, very difficult today to raise our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We have such an immoral generation in which we now live. But I think the goal of every Christian mother would be this. Philippians chapter 2 verse 15. That our children may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. The darker the night, the brighter the light. And I'm so thankful for the young people of our church that are being nurtured up in the ways of the Lord that even though it's very, very dark in our world today, they will stand up and they will shine forth as lights to the glory of God and drawing people to Jesus Christ. So there's that nurturing of children. There's also that word admonish. Admonish means calling attention to error or wrongdoing, to rebuke or to give warning. So not only are mothers to nurture, they are also to admonish their children. Mothers, you have to continually, 
you have to continually be warning your children about the consequences of sin. Point out examples of sin and the consequences that are all around us today. Try to direct your children away. Now, I know children have their own will and many times they don't listen. But even though they have their own will and many times they don't listen, may they always hear the voice of mom, the law of the mother, Solomon talked about, ringing in their ears saying, don't go there, don't do this, this is wrong, don't participate in that, refrain your foot from their path. But here they would hear that voice of their mother in their conscience as over and over and over again you have admonished them. And, and then I want to say this, and I have witnessed this over the years too, and that is parents, mothers, condoning or supporting their children in an evil activity. Understand this, don't, don't always take your child's side. You've always heard People say this, if I got in trouble in school, I was going to get in trouble when I got home. If you take your child's side and you are supporting them in their evil activity, it'll almost guarantee that they will not develop the proper priorities in life. Again, Solomon said, My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Moms, learn how to lay down the law and hold your children accountable. If they are doing wrong, then admonish them. Give them the proper discipline that they need. Make sure that they know that God does not approve of their behavior or the decisions that they have made and in no way are you going to approve of it or support them in that evil activity. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Show them the way he should go. And don't support them if they're going the opposite direction. Don't be afraid to say no to your children. So many think, well, I just need to be my child's best friend. No, you need to be your child's parent, not their best friend. They can, they can become your best friends as they enter into adulthood. But right now, you are their parent. Love, listen to me, love does not enable your children to do wrong. Let's talk about the prodigal son for just a moment. His father and his mother did not support him in his rebellion towards God. They didn't encourage him. They let him go. But I want you to understand something here. They were waiting for him to come back, a broken young man. So don't ever support your children in evil activity. If they continue in that evil activity, God will deal with them. God will bring judgment into their life. Sometime it could go on for a period of years. But be there when they return and welcome them back home. I think of Daniel and his three friends who absolutely refused to eat the king's meat and to drink the king's wine. Later on, they refused to bow. Said, we're not going to bend. We're not going to bow. We're not going to burn. We're not going to worship the image of Nebuchadnezzar. These were young teenage men. 
What brought them to the place that they had such deep conviction in their life that when taken from their home and placed into the king's palace, they refused to join in with the rest, but were willing to stand alone. It had to have been the nurturing and admonition that their mothers had given to them that stayed with them. You know, last week we started a series of messages on what is the real priority in life. And we delineated three that God sets forth as the most important priorities that we need to have in our life. Number one is to love the Lord with all of our heart. We started to look at that last week. The second was to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the third was to fear God and keep his commandments. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had adopted those priorities in their life. They loved the Lord with all their heart. They sought first his kingdom and his righteousness. They would not defile themselves. And they feared God and they kept his commandments. We will not bow down. Where did they get that from? They had to have picked that up from the nurturing and the admonition of their mother and the way that she lived her life before them. I want to close our message this morning with going back to our text and looking at that phrase, unfeigned faith. When I call to remembrance, Paul writes to Timothy, the unfeigned, unhypocritical, the sincere, the true, the genuine faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. Passing on your faith, passing on these three very important priorities is so important that Paul says here that to do it, you have to have unfeigned faith. Your faith has to be sincere and true and genuine. You know, we can espouse all the right priorities, but unless those are being seen in our lives, how do we ever expect our children to pick them up? We can make our children attend church. We can tell them what they should and what they should not do. But do our words match our life? We can fool our friends, can't we? Come on. We can fool our friends. We can fool our church family. We can fool the preacher. But you know who you won't fool? You won't fool your kids. You won't fool your husband. A husband won't be able to fool his wife or fool his children. Listen, we are who we are at home. And nothing will turn, I believe, nothing will turn our children's hearts away from God quicker than a mother and father who live a hypocritical life. Having a form of godliness... Uh, just a form 
having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Don't, don't ever allow your faith to be hypocritical. James said this, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Don't be a hypocrite. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, into the word of God, and continueth therein, unhypocritical faith, be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. His deeds of what? Raising up his children. Raising up her children. In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So I just have a couple of questions to ask you as we close our message this morning. Do you love the Lord? With all of your heart? Do your children see? that you have a love for the Lord? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Do your children see that? Do you fear God and keep his commandments? Remember, this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or bad. If we want to pass our faith and our priorities on to this next generation, they better become our faith and our priorities. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child... Thou hast known the holy scriptures which were able to make thee wise unto salvation. From a child, Timothy was taught the holy scriptures by his grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. And he took upon him that faith. His faith also was unhypocritical unfeigned many young adults leave the church never to return but it could be that they never really joined it spiritually in the first place the Bible said they went out from us but they were not of us for if they had been of us they no doubt would have continued with us but they went out that it might be manifest that they were not all of us. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening 
at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.